Josephus, in describing the temple, has these words to say. Now the outward face of the temple in its front had everything for the mind and the eye to admire. For it was covered all over with plates of gold, great in weight. And the first, at the first rising of the sun, it reflected back the very fiery splendor and made those who forced themselves, who forced themselves to look upon it turn their eyes away, just as they would have done at the sun's own rays. But the temple appeared to strangers when they were coming in to, at, at a distance, like a mountain covered with snow. For as to those parts of it that were not gilt, they were exceedingly white. So we can see the great respect that the not just those who were in Judea, but all those who had visited had for the temple. And so the men could not conceive of this beautiful, most ornate and very powerful monument being destroyed. Or if they conceived of it being destroyed, they associated it with the end of the world. The Jesuit father Cornelius Lapide, in his great commentary on Holy Scripture, says these words, quote, The disciples thought that Jerusalem and the temple would be destroyed at the glorious advent and reign of Christ at the end of the world, as if he were about to destroy them in punishment and vengeance for his death. For they supposed that these three things, namely the destruction of the city, the end of the world, and the day of judgment, would all take place at the same time. And as they knew from the words of Christ that the destruction of the city was nigh at hand, they thought that the end of the world and the day of judgment had also, was also at hand. And quote Cornelius Lapide. We could see this is also why in the Acts of the Apostle, just before our Lord is about to ascend into heaven, they ask him this very thing about the restoration of Israel. So they had their own concepts about the end of the world. But our Lord wanted to clarify them, as he clarifies them today in today's gospel. Now, why would they point out to our Lord the stones and the buildings? Does not our Lord already see these? Does he not already notice them? St. Thomas says these words, The disciples approached him so that they might point out the buildings of the temple, so that he might see how beautiful and orderly is the house as founded in the Gospel of St. Mark. Master, behold the manner of stones and the buildings that are here. It is apparent that they did not ask that they might teach him something, or as if he did not know, but that he might come upon a remedy of destruction. They didn't want the destruction, the end of the world to come, and they didn't want the uh, destruction of the temple, so they pointed out these things, something very natural, for their minds were still very natural. Cornelius Lapide says these words, Christ at the end of the preceding chapter had predicted the destruction of Jerusalem and consequently of the temple. The disciples therefore being amazed at this desolation of so great a city show him the wonderful fabric of the temple, its beauty, its magnificence, which seem worthy of lasting forever in order that they might move Christ to pity and to revoke the sentence of destruction for this temple was a wonder of the world. St. Hilary says, After Christ had threatened the destruction of Jerusalem, they show him the magnificence of the construction, as if he would be moved by the desire of it. End quote St. Hilary. But his judgment is irrevocable. It was, dead, it was set. 
And because our Lord in his providence had certain things in mind, for example, St. Thomas points out that by doing this, by having it destroyed, then the hearts of men would be moved to, 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 uh, to offer sacrifice in the sacrifice of the Mass. They wouldn't be so set on those, these ceremonials that were, were passed and that were, they were over, they were already passed. They were due. But this is also a proof of Christ's divine mission. It is a proof of his divine mission because he is able to predict and see things that are so far in the future. Contiguous events, events that have not yet come to pass, and 40 years prior to them coming to pass. 40 years. And, and from a thing that they did not think was possible. Bishop Sheen points out that there are three other proofs of Christ's divine mission. He points out one being that the fact that he is pre-announced, that, that he was pre-announced by the prophets for ages, by the psalmist for ages before he actually came. Bishop Sheen says, quote, Who among all of the world religion founders had a pre-announced birth and a foretold death? Which one was expected by the people? He is the only one in the world who was ever pre-announced. No one ever knew a long period before Buddha was born, or Plato, or you, or me. But his birth was announced from the beginning. If God did not do this, they, there would be nothing to prevent an imposter from appearing in history and saying, I am from God. Or, an angel appeared to me in the desert and gave me this message. In such cases, there would be no objective, historical way of testing a messenger. They, we would have only his word for it. And of course, he could be wrong. And so we see that this is one of the proofs of Christ's divine mission that he has pre-announced. Another is that he works miracles. And of all the miracles, so many miracles that they said, when the Messiah comes, well, when the Son of Man comes, will he perform as many miracles as these? St. John says that there were many more were done, but, but he, but, and they would fill all the, they, it was not enough to, to fill all the books in the, in the world. But we, we focus on one miracle, the miracle of the raising of Lazarus from the tomb. He was dead for three days, and we see that this raising of a man from death is a sign of God's activity there. For only God can bring life. And so we see that after he had been in the tomb for three days, so much so that Martha says, Lord, he stinketh, being that he has already started to decompose. Decomp decomposition had set in. And yet God performs this miracle. And notice how he performs it. He commands. It's not simply, I'm, I'm praying to God that this happened. He stands there and he, before the tomb and he says, Lazarus, come forth with authority. Him being the master of life and death. And Lazarus comes forth. Another proof of divinity of God. And then the third is that nothing that he says is contrary towards reason. Nothing he says. And he himself challenges those there. He says, if I have spoken wrong, tell me. And not one of them brings up any error that he's ever spoken. Now, all these, some of these things can be above reason, but they never contradict reason.
So here we have a prophecy of our Lord about the destruction of the temple. And we see how true it was. He talks about also in this prophecy, he talks about false prophets. We see that the, 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 the destruction came about after this, this whole event. The false prophets that he warned about are these. A false prophet, as Josephus records, a false prophet was the occasion of these people's destruction who had made a public proclamation of the city that very day that God commanded them to go to the temple and that there, should, there they should receive miraculous signs of their deliverance. Now there was a great number of false prophets under the tyrants to impose upon the people and, and this who denounced this to them and who would wait for the deliverance from God. This was in order to keep them from deserting that they might be strengthened from fear and, and trust in such hopes. These are natural hopes that they were trusting in. But they were not God's words. They were false prophets. Men, that were they came on their own authority, not sent from God, and not teaching what God had taught them. Talking about their deliverance. Our Lord forewarns us then, he forewarns us so we can be forearmed and we can be protected from the false prophets. And the Holy Mother, Holy Mother, the Church, who is the mystical body of Christ, whose head is Christ, she also continues and she bears in some, some manner the same marks. For she was pre-announced by Christ when Christ said that he would establish the Church upon St. Peter. And he spoke about it being spread throughout the world. He also spoke about the miracle, or we also see the miracles that our Lord, that the church performs, the church has before us. For example, we have the tilma down in Mexico. You can go down there and see that miraculous image still there. Or we can also see Lanciano, the miracle of Lanciano. These proofs of the truthfulness of the church. And finally, the constant teaching of the church, how it's always true at all times. So she continues that same mission of Christ, and she protects what was given to her, what was handed down to her through revelation, and passes this on. And some of the things that are talked about, things about the end times. These, for example, about when the end will come. We see that the end, that the gospel will have to be spread throughout the entire world before the end comes. This from Holy Scripture, Matthew twenty four fourteen, And the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world for a testimony to all nations, and then shall the consummation come. Or Psalm 71, All the kings of the earth shall adore him, all nations shall serve him. So we see that that gospel has already been spread throughout the entire world. One of the signs down. Another indication that we should heed is that of the, the act, what our Lord says when he says these words, When therefore you shall see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, he that readeth, let him understand. Notice our Lord says, when you shall see. It's a future event. 
It's not in reference to Antiochus's uh, desecration of the temple, uh, or the or Pilate set, uh, placing those images of Caesar. Although those prefigured the coming of the true Antichrist, we can see that these were not the actual fulfillment of this prophecy. And notice he says the holy place. In this holy place, we can see that the that even Saint Paul, the Word of God, we have the reference to the temple of Solomon. The second, uh, second letter to the Thessalonians. Who opposes, he's talking about the Antichrist, who opposes and is lifted above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself as if he were God. That he sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself as if he were God. Now, first of all, for those who think that it might reference the, uh, the uh, Catholic Church, we should point out what St. Robert Bellarmine says about this. For he says, Christians call their places churches, ecclesias, not temples. He also says that St. Paul is writing at the time when the temple had not been destroyed. This letter is being written at the time when the temple had not yet been destroyed. So when he's speaking about he that sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself as if he were God, he's referencing that temple that still was in existence. And we also note that the Christians only had private houses to say masses and to pray, and they had been turned out of the temple. We also know that this, there's a reference to Jerusalem, and this we find in the, gospel, in, the, in the Apocalypse, when there is reference to those two witnesses who go to fight the Antichrist, and they fight him on his own turf. When we hear these words, the beast that ascendeth out of the abyss shall make war against them, and shall overcome them and kill them. And their bodies shall lie in the streets of the great city, which is called spiritually Sodom and Egypt, where their Lord also was crucified. And we know that that's Jerusalem. St. Irenaeus in his book 5 says that when the Antichrist sits in the temple of Jerusalem, then the Lord will come. And St. Hippolytus says he will construct the temple in Jerusalem, speaking about the Antichrist. But we should also remember in the book of Daniel, there was also a prophecy talking about the desolation, the destruction of the temple. These words from the inerrant word of God say these, There shall be in the temple the abomination of desolation, and the desolation shall continue even to the consummation and to the end. The desolation shall continue even to the consummation and to the end. So we know that the de- destruction of the, of, of the temple will be to the end. So there are two possibilities that St. Robert Bellarmine points out concerning this. Either they will build the temple nearby, but not on the actual temple mount, or, the second, that they will not complete the temple. They will start building it, but they will not complete the temple until the end of the world. Well, with all this talk about the temples and the end of the world, we should consider something that's far more close to us. It's more important for us. And it's the end of our own world. And 
the destruction of our own temple, where our hearts, our souls, are temples of the Holy Spirit. And we concern ourselves with that in this time more importantly than anything else. We want to make sure that we are making our temples of the Holy Spirit those temples set aside for God, places of prayer. Our Lord destroyed the temple. It was there as a means to draw people to God. And then it was destroyed. Our bodies are temples. They are means of drawing us closer to God. And then they will be destroyed. In the prophecy of Isaiah 66, 1, these are the words of God. Heaven is my throne and the earth my footstool. What is this house that you will build to me? And what is this place of my rest? My hand made all these things, and all things were made, saith the Lord. But to whom shall I have respect? But to whom that is poor and little, and of contrite spirit, and that trembleth at my words? St. Jerome says, For God seeks the spiritual temple, in which dwells true fidelity, holy manner of life, and the choir of all the virtues. Our Lord warns about the destruction of the temple. We should think about our own temple. He talks about the end of the world. On this Sunday, we should think about the end of our own world, that we will stand before the great judge, and we ought to prepare ourselves for that day. Behold, I have told it to you beforehand. Immaculate Heart of Mary.